This is Up for Debate, episode number 243, recorded November 3rd, 2022. We gave ourselves goosebumps. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Up for Debate, the debate podcast where the two of us agree on everything. I'm Sean Jennings, joined by a man who's been scaring children almost as long as R.L. Stein has. It's Matt Mariani. Hello, Matt. Hello there, Sean. Happy spook November. We're in November now. Yes, exactly. Mm. Yeah, missed miss that a little bit, but that's all right. At least we can talk about Halloween. Just happened a couple days ago. Yeah. Uh, how was your Halloween? My Halloween was radically uneventful, other than a small office party where I won second in the costume contest, not to brag. Congratulations. But Mazel tov. Me bragging. Um, what did you go uh, as? That was about it. I went as, uh, let me see if I can, I shouldn't really, because I, I didn't post about it on social media, um, but I was, all right. Should I share the photo on the stream here, you think? Share it on the stream. Did, I, I'm just really wondering if you went with my screw idea. Remember, no, I said I, didn't. Should... I was a toucan. I was not, I was not expecting that. But very, very nice costume, Mike. <laughs> All right. A toucan. Oh, uh, yeah, there you go. You got the, yep, the the feet. Okay. What was the, uh, what was the inspiration for this costume, Sean? I saw it on HalloweenCostumes.com and thought, well, that'd be neat. And so I bought okay. it. Okay. All that right. Was, that was the whole extent. Because I'm not, like, it sounds stupid and contrived, but I'm not, I didn't want to go as like a branded, like, I like the idea of the generic Halloween costume. There's something funny about that to me. Like, oh, I'm Iron Man. Oh, I'm Spider Man. And I'm like, I'm a bird. Like, I, that's just funny to me. And this guy looked cool, so I said, ah, sure, why not? I didn't. I spent virtually no time thinking about it. Now, what what do you think would have happened if you had dressed up like a giant screw? Oh, I would have won the costume contest for sure. Forget about second. I would have been what first. If, and what if you were? What if you were a giant screw and? The character Scrooge from A Christmas Tale, <laughs> A Christmas, The Christmas Story, uh, and you called yourself Mr. Scrooge, like Screw Scrooge. I, I, that was what I suggested last episode, and I think you would have not only won first place, I think you would have run, you would have won the undying respect of all of your coworkers for life, uh, and you yeah. probably would have been made president of the company. Yeah, like, I, right then and there, yeah, they would have just crowned um, you. Seemed like a little much, if I'm being honest. A little hat on a hat, as the kids would say. Well, you would have literally, you could have put like a little hat on your screw, your screw costume, and worn like monocles. Scrooge, like Scrooge, but it's a screw. I'm telling you, Sean. Next year, you got ne- next. What did you go at before you? Next year. What did you go as? I. Um, went as a, <laughs> I wore flannel to work. Um, and most people thought I was either a lumberjack or the brawny paper towel man. But the real, the real story was I just wanted to wear flannel because it's really comfortable and I don't get to wear flannel to work that much. Oh, so it wasn't even a costume. You just happened to be wearing an alternate shirt. I thought about like taking an taking a uh, a quarter and I was going to tape the quarter to my back and I was going to be a quarterback. Okay. 
Subtle. Or I could have also done that with a nickel, and I could have been nickel back. Okay. All right. Listen, mm-hmm. I, 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 you should have carried around a roll of paper towels. I think you would have been an excellent brawny man. I think that would have been very amusing. Hmm. I, 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 for a fact, I did. I mean, I, I did have a like a little paper towel, but most, most, you know, that kind of goes over the heads of 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 uh, of most people. I think, but I knew, I knew what was up. It was good. It was a good Halloween. All in all, we had about a hundred, almost 180 something trick or treaters, almost 190 trick or treaters. Holy according hell, to, wow. according to a neighborhood count that somebody on our block did and posted wow. onto the Facebook group, which is a, it's just an insane number of, 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 of kids. But they, he apparently counted, he had a little counter and kept track of every trick or treater throughout the evening which is huge especially for a monday night crazy wow but. and i know everyone who went to your house uh correct me if i'm wrong got a, a pocket-sized u.s constitution is that right gotta keep you gotta keep reading your constitution that's all that's all i'm gonna say oh, you know your rights. your rights with you yeah. know your rights yeah is what you said to every trick-or-treater indeed we had a spinner we were we were known as the fun house or the oh. carnival house that's Whoa. what the kids kept calling us we had a little spinner that my wife made and it had a number of it was a number on it, and every the number was how much how many pieces of candy you got, one through wow, four. Wow! So you're introducing well, children to gambling. Yeah, no, and and some of those kids they should be playing the lottery right now. Some of them are at a at a lucky lucky spin. And I said, wait till you know you learn about roulette. See, th- but that's when you went when you're standing there with a the kid and they get the biggest number on the wheel. That's when you go no. I'm ruined. <laughs> I've been bankrupt. Honey, we have to sell the house. That's pretty good. That's pretty clever. Uh, or you just like kind of go over and you tilt the wheel a little bit so that it goes back to, oh, sorry, kid. Oh, yeah, so close. You'll get so close. Time. The house always wins. <laughs> just keep that in mind. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, man. The house always wins. I like wins. that idea. Yep. Making the kids gamble yeah. for their candy. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, it was, it was I, I will tell you, fun. Mm-hmm. my my neighborhood is all lights out. It's but occasionally mm. people do walk through. There's a couple houses, but my house was lights off, and I was not giving out candy because I got like five people last year. And, but I had to take the trash out, so I'm in my pajamas, head to toe, with a big bag of trash. And so I step out of my front door, and just at the moment I step out, a woman and a child are walking by. The child immediately turns and starts walking towards me to get candy. Now, again, I'm a man in head-to-toe pajamas carrying a giant bag of trash. Um, and I had to politely explain to them that. No, in fact, I don't. Uh, I, I don't. This is not a big bag of candy. This is trash. And I don't have <laughs> You thought the trash was. <laughs> well, it was a very young. It was a young child who I just you should like, do saw that. somebody near their house. Do that on Christmas, too. But just wear like a Santa hat and just like be like. Oh, I forgot why I had this on or just or just start handing the kid your trash. I don't know why I put all this trash in a (laughs) uh, big velvet red bag. Oh, must have been confusing. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was. So don't don't ever leave your house for any reason on Halloween is good Mm. advice. Yeah. Well, Matt, speaking of of Halloween, we have some unfinished uh, like the undead. We have some unfinished business uh and that would be uh goosebumps so back in october we talked about rl stein's classic uh book series 
Goosebumps and their various spinoffs, and we decided we were each going to read a couple and report back on what we found. Matt, did you do your homework? I did, as always. I, I have my full book reports right here, ready to go. Excellent. Um, I've Excellent. got, where, where should we start? Or... Where should we even start? Yeah, any particular book stand books. out for you? Um, let's see. Let's start. Let's start with your pick. What was your, uh, what was your favorite, Sean? What part? What book did you like? I'm gonna pull my notes up. So I read a couple, uh, mm-hmm. and actually, Matt, I double experimented here because not only did I read Goosebumps, I was curious because these books I didn't. You can get the eBooks for free. Uh, I didn't want to buy the books, but I was like, how am I going to read these eBooks? I don't have a tablet. Would have been on my laptop, so. I bought a Kindle to try. Okay. And I, I haven't done proper ebooks in a long time because I never liked them. I found them hard to read on that screen. And uh, I said, oh, I'll try it again. Maybe the tech. And I will say the technology's gotten better. Like the screens are really nice. Uh, still did not like reading ebooks. Uh, my eyes skip around the page and I just, I have trouble reading on a screen. So that was a failed experiment. But the first <laughs> uh, book I read. Um, I am going to look, uh, so I can get the exact publishing information of it. Um, it was actually turned into one of the episodes of TV series, Stay Out of the Basement, first published in 1992. Uh, this is the second ever Goosebumps book. Um, the blurb on the back says, uh, Dr. Brewer is doing a little plant testing in his basement. Nothing to worry about. Harmless, really. But Margaret and Casey Brewer are worried about their father especially when they meet some of the plants he is growing down there. Then they notice that their father is developing plant-like tendencies. In fact, he is becoming distinctly weedy and seedy. Is it just part of their father's harmless experiment, or has the basement turned into another little shop of horrors? Um. Hmm. So this is like a case of the plants... What like going awry? Is are the plants alive? Like what? Oh, do you do you want me to spoil it for you? Um, yeah. So we should talk about that. Do we? <laughs> how do we feel about spoilers I here? We, I think we can spoil Goosebumps. I think, okay, okay. I think I, I'm I'm okay with it. Most I'm okay with it. But listeners, be warned. From this yeah, point this on, is, there will be spoilers. This is definitely one of the most one of the more famous, especially because it was the second one. Goosebumps books. Um, like I said, it was turned into an episode of the TV series. There's actual merchandise you can buy uh, hmm. related to this particular book. Um, basically, so one of the things I realized after reading a couple of these is there are a lot of similar consistencies between them, namely young children who discover something is amiss or wrong or get entangled in something, usually a brother and sister. Uh, in many of them are somehow involved. That's certainly true in this. Uh, as Margaret and Casey, um, and their father, it's and their father, Doctor Brewer, the main characters. Doctor Brewer uh, got kicked out of his uh, university job for doing strange experiments with plants. Um, so he brings them and starts doing them in the basement. The kids are like, "Hey, it's weird. Our dad's acting weird." They go down, check it out. The plants are like breathing, and weird shits happening. Suddenly, their dad starts like uh, eating dirt. And growing leaves from his head and having green blood instead of red blood. 
Hmm. Uh, and basically his experiments are combining DNA from people and plants into each other. At some point, he creates a clone of himself that's made of plant, which then ties up the real Dr. Brewer. And it's the plant Dr. Brewer that tries to kill the kids to cover up the experiment. All is revealed. And that's generally the plot. Okay. Yeah, something I've I've noticed is um at the heart of all these books, and it shouldn't be surprising, but because they're they're books for kids, like horror books for kids specifically, but at the heart of all these books, it seems like there's like a very rational, explainable childhood fear of something that gets just then ratcheted up to eleven or twelve. And that's the main like conflict of the book. They're the main like conceit of the book, the main like plot. And I, I don't know why it surprised me, but it's, I guess it's a trend in all the books that I read. It's, um, it's, um, kind of, kind of makes sense. I mean, it, it takes like, it's very Stephen King kind of approach of like, it takes a very human fear or a very like, there's not always a monster. Sometimes the monster is us kind of kind of thing. Um, but in this case, it's what it's like the basement, right? People are scared to go in the basement and that's gotta be, I mean, just looking at the title of a lot of these, it's, it's gotta be like half of these books are fear of going down to the basement or fear of like a dark place or a scary unknown place. Right. Am I, am I, am I, am I, yeah, on the right track with oh, this. Yeah, no, no, no. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're totally. I mean, I, I was very impressed at how well R.L. Stein is getting the kids' perspective in. Like, it really is. It's one thing to write a book for a kid, but it's another to write it to them. You know what I mean? Where it really is speaking in the child's voice in a realistic way. And I give him a lot of credit because I think he does it. Another thread throughout this and others is that adults are usually hiding something, being sneaky, dismissing the kids. Uh, it's, it shows uh, a power balance where usually in the end, the kids were right. Um, and, and they were right to be suspicious or not trust the adult figure in the story. Um, again, another very real childhood feeling. So I, it certainly felt very uh, child focused. And even in the the way I should have, I didn't bring my Kindle over, so I don't, I don't have the books in front of me, but uh, cause I would have read some quotes, but the, even the way the dialogue is written is very, um, in very much in a kid's voice. Yeah. It's, it's very, um, very much in tune to, I think child, not only childhood fears, but like the, a lot of like the way the, the way the kids talk is very realistic. It's very like, it's not, I thought it was going to be very like cornball and like, yeah, like in a clearly an adult writing children, but he, it's really not, especially like when you consider the time period that he writes these books in the nineties, it's like, this is how kids probably would have talked to each other. Like young, young kids and young adults alike. So uh, he does really seem to to um, to know his craft well, uh, and also to know the, the the audience that he's writing for. Uh, he had definitely seemed like he had a gift for that, and that's why he's an enduring figure in in the in the young adult scene, the book world. Mm-hmm. 
the the last thing is stay in the basement a fine read um i i would it's short i mean all the books are pretty short but these are like blazing fast reads um uh, obviously they're children's books so if they were a struggle to read that would be a problem um but they were certainly short matt what's one of the ones you read um i'll start off with the curse of camp cold lake okay the curse of camp cold lake so basically the premise here is there is there's a summer camp um that uh, i'll read i'll read my blurb uh first published in 1997 um it the blurb here goes, camp is supposed to be fun, but Sarah hates Camp Cold Lake. The lake is gross and slimy, and she's having a little trouble with her bunkmates. They hate her. So Sarah comes up with a plan. She'll pretend to drown. Then everyone will feel sorry for her. But things don't go exactly the way Sarah planned. Because down by the cold, dark lake, someone is watching her. Stalking her. Someone with pale blue eyes and a see-through body. So, haunted haunted summer camp by a lake. Definitely not a uh, definitely a path that has been trod trod before trodden before. Um, but I was really impressed with this. Um, there's a there's a really it's 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 a pretty straightforward story about. Uh, Sarah not being like not fitting in like her bunk mates are all kind of paired up already and, and friends when she gets there. So she experiences again, a very like typical childhood thing of like not fitting in and not making friends right away. And all the anxieties that come along with that um, mean girls being mean, another pretty common trope that we see and and real thing we see in, in children young adults. Um, but the, the twist here is, is when she tries to execute her plan of like, uh, you know, faking, faking her own, faking her own death or, or at least faking her own drowning to try to get sympathy. Um, she meets this like ghost figure called Della and, uh, Della tries to get her to become her buddy. And I really, that's probably my favorite scene in the whole book is the scene where, she meets her for the first time because when she's in the water, when she emerges from the water, she describes like the trees around the camp as everything being like cold. Like it's, it's all the leaves are gone from the trees and it's very like much like winter time. But she said, that's impossible because it's the summertime, you know, you know, the leaves should still be on the trees. Um, and the whole, just the way they describe the whole atmosphere of this like nether world where she meets this like, demonic ghost figure uh who then ha continues to haunt her for the rest of the book really really cool um i also really like the um ending really great ending um big twist that i did not at all see coming uh and i guess i'll i'll spoil it here sure um so Sarah is the main girl, um, the main like kind of like hero of the story. A couple of her other bunk mates, um, one of them is Brianna, 
And it's revealed at the end of the book that, and Brianna, like throughout the book, has been kind of the, um, she's been like along for the for the adventure. She's been like actually kind of like the main antagonist of of all the bunkmates. It's revealed that Brianna's dead, and Brianna was killed by Della. The, the, the ghosts of the lake years and years ago prior to that. But she basically like continues to um I guess like like exists at the camp to try to protect other kids from Della from the ghost, basically. So um Brianna's like a go like a ghost. Which is kind of cool because if you if you read the book, Brianna is is like always sort of watching out for Sarah, even though like Sarah's having a really tough time fitting in. I wouldn't say she's like becomes an instant friend, but she's the one that's always like kind of like looking out for her. And there's no clues at all to like to make you think that Brianna. It's not obvious. Like there's no big sign that's like, you know, Brianna is a ghost. But the reveal that that Della succeeded in in killing her, um, it's just it was a really it was a really cool twist. It was really neat. Um, and then at the end, it, I think it also kind of alludes to maybe Brianna trying to like and not have the best intentions of of um of being being Sarah's friend cuz she she like is like well now you'll be my buddy forever and which is what Della was always Della was trying to get her to be her, her the buddy her buddy forever so it's like okay all right maybe she's also like a camp demon maybe there's just like a long succession of this happening i don't know i liked it wasn't my favorite of all the books that i read but it was up there probably my second favorite yeah, the, the mm. twist ending is really common in Goosebumps books. Uh, not mm. all of them, but in a lot of them. I think it's kind of a clever way to, you know, the books ramp up as they go on. It starts slow. You get the clues very horror movie-esque, right? Getting to the big conclusion. I think it's a great way to break the tension at the end uh, for particularly scary books. I think it's a smart idea. Matt, this might be a mm-hmm. good time to bring up probably my overarching theory about goosebumps that i learned in reading these okay i like this yeah they're good books i like them a lot they are not horror books they are creepy they are strange they're thrillers maybe they're more twilight zone than yes um than scary i did not and again i'm an adult i'm a kind of grown man. So I get, I'm not the target demographic. Even when I was a kid, I didn't find them scary. They're upsetting is maybe a word, but they're not scary. I have a really tough time. And I'm not saying this to try to be like macho. I'm not trying to say this to be like, you know, nothing scares me. Uh, Things scare me, but I've never been frightened by literature. I've never read something and been like, I've always been kind of looking for it though. And that's why I would really be interested in, in like, if you, if you were to read house of leaves, cause that's, that's kind of the thing that comes the closest to me 
for like literary horror or, or fear. I've read a, a number of, you know, it's like Stephen King, H.P. Lovecraft, the classic horror. I just still haven't found something that is like personally terrified me within the medium. And I've always wanted to. I've always, I've always been seeking that out. Um, but I totally agree with your assessment. I think that these Goosebump books are more Twilight Zone than they are um, horror. Well, and so it's all about the twists. Or, too, yeah. Is that the... I think part of the fact that not all of these, but certainly the scarier of them, use a lot of science fiction or fantasy or sort of... You know, there's no book in here where it's like you're a regular person and your regular teacher turned out to be a serial killer and tries to murder you. Like, it's not those kind of books where I think they're just over the line fantastical enough where it's like, I I would think as a young child, you wouldn't be like, couldn't sleep at night because you're worried this will happen to me. Like, my dad is not turning into a plant monster. You know, I'm not going to run into a ghost at summer camp. Um, and I think that helps bring down some of the the tension for a children focused series. Hmm. Yeah, I, I that's why I kind of can't wait to, to. I'm excited now to now that we've introduced that theory uh, uh, to talk about my next book. But what um what was your second your second book? My second book, I chose this one purposefully because it seemed like the least scary one I could find. Uh, called Deep Trouble, uh, published in May of 1994. It is 19th in the series, uh, the blurb. Billy and his sister Sheena are visiting their uncle, Dr. Deep, on a tiny Caribbean island. It's the perfect place to go exploring underwater, dot, dot, dot. And Billy's ready for an adventure. There's only one rule to remember. Stay away from the coral reefs. Still, the reefs are so beautiful, so peaceful. Billy can't resist, but he's not alone in the water. Something's lurking deep below the surface. Something dark and scaly, something half human, half fish. Uh, and there is basically no horror element at all. Uh, it's not even particularly twisted. Basically, the kids, summer vacation, hanging out with their uncle on the boat. The doctor says, oh, they've been sighting of mermaids around here. Billy goes out, finds the mermaid. Uh, Dr. Deep catches the mermaid, is going to study it, but then some bad guys come around and try and steal it. It's very, like generic kid action movie kind of stuff where it's like, Oh cool. We found a mermaid. And then the bad guys come, we're going to take him, put her in a zoo. And the kids are like, you can't do that. Let her free. And then there's a fight back and forth and all this stuff. And in the end, uh, the mermaid, um, goes away and gets let go. And like, that's the whole book. Definitely, uh, whack, uh, this one, uh, not scary, decently written, Weird, it's a Goosebumps book. Like, if this had a different name, um, I would say it's a fine book. But it's not a Goosebumps. There's nothing There's nothing particularly scary or interesting about this book, if I have to be honest. Hmm. Yeah, that doesn't really sound... That, doesn't, that didn't really grip me. I didn't get Goosebumps from that one. <laughs> At all. I got maybe some... Just nothing. Really felt nothing from that description. A whole lot of nothing. 
Yeah, it was pretty weak, although this book was one of three Goosebumps books to win a Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards, which I didn't know they gave to books, uh, which won it in 1995. The other two winners were uh, Even More Tales to Give You Goosebumps in 96 and Deep Trouble 2 in 1998. So I guess kids liked it. Hmm. But not not for me. Um I'm gonna all right. I'm gonna jump in. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do my favorite of the night. Yeah, do it. I think we'll 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 bring it we'll bring it up uh we'll we'll bring it back. We'll bring it back uh from your I'm assuming that was your your least favorite, your worst pick. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we'll bring it to my favorite because it ties so well with what you said about the the genre and this this book was basically a Twilight Zone episode for children. The book I'm talking about is The Cuckoo Clock of Doom. Yeah. Great great story. Um published in 1995. The blurb is Don't beat the clock. Terror the terrible. That's what Michael Webster calls his bratty little sister. She loves getting Michael into trouble, making his life miserable. Things couldn't get any worse. Then, Mr. Webster brings home the antique cuckoo clock. It's old, it's expensive, and Mr. Webster won't let anyone touch it. Poor Michael. He should have listened to his dad. Because someone put a spell on the clock. A strange spell. A dangerous spell. And now, Michael's life will never be the same again. In the Twilight Zone. Like, can you see like Rod Sterling reading that introduction? Um, all right. So basically this kid travels through to, of course it's, it's a time travel story. Um, because the cuckoo clock has a secret defect where if anybody like mishandles it, it transports people and it transports them into time back, back through time. But it creates a paradox because he gets transported back in time to the point before um, he his parents have purchased the clock. His dad brings the clock home. So now he's kind of stuck in the it's like being stuck in the past, but he keeps regressing. So he goes, I think he wants to go back to like his 12th birthday because that was the point where he said, like, you know, he thinks his life has gone downhill. Apparently his sister ruined his 12th birthday by like messing stuff up because she's a kid or whatever. And he goes back to the 12th birthday, but basically he keeps going back further and further, but he retains all of his experiences and knowledge of being a 13 year old or a 12 year old, which um, I think is really a, a really interesting concept to unpack. Like he's regressing through time, but he has all of these experiences and knowledge of, basically a prepubescent boy um and he's realizing like his friends are immature uh he knows how to do basic things that like kids know how to do because he's learned it already and his life it becomes like hell basically because he's just like you know a a 12 year old boy trapped in like and it goes all the way back like goes back to like when him him as an infant um and but what I also it's again with the ending right throughout the throughout the latter acts of the of the book, he's wishing that he could stop it all. If he's wishing he could reverse it and he could go back and 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 un basically unmake the wish, and then he 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 finally wakes up or it's not wakes up right. It's not like a dream, but he he 
he reaches a point where the 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 dad happens to go by the antique shop, Anthony's Antiques, where the, where this clock is, and they're by they're going there to like buy something else, but he like escapes and he he finds the clock. And he's an infant. He's like a baby, but like his memories are all there. He has like the 12 year olds, like memories and stuff. And he reaches out and he touches the clock and he goes forward in time. But he realizes that there's something missing on the clock a year. And it's the year that his sister was born. So his sister is never born in this future. And the book just kind of leaves you with like this. It doesn't really, it doesn't say like, it, it's not like a cautionary tale or anything, but it's also not like a happy ending either. It's just like this book. Of, it's like this, you know, he is now going to have the memories of this sister for the rest of his life that never was. And, and, and no one, no one else knows that, but him. So he's going to be forever haunted by this. And it's that kind of existential existential fear or dread that I thought is is just was just I was surprised. I was floored that this would be in a in a children's book. That that RL Stein would include this in a children's book. You wouldn't see it today, right? It would, be, it would either be like, "Oh, but he figured out a way to go back in time and bring the sister back or like, you know, let this be a lesson to you. Be careful what you wish. But it kind of was that, but it was also like, there's no reversing this. Like this kid messed up and he's going to live with it for the rest of his life. And he kind of likes it. He's like, well, you know, she was kind of like a brat and got me into a lot of trouble, but he's like, Oh, I also kind of miss having a sister. It's, it's really, really deep for 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 a kid's book. I I love this book. The Cuckoo Clock of Doom is my favorite. It's my goosebumps pick of the night. Nice. Mm. Excellent. Well, you know, the uh again, it's those similar childhood concepts, you know, the the annoying sibling, right? The annoying little sister who I just wish was gone, right? It's sort of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a very common thought and um it's interesting to sort of uh, you're right. The, the fact that he's in a way tortured throughout the book um, punished for, for what he did. And then in the end, he got what he wanted um, kind of not really the lesson you should be taking away from this. Um, yeah. Awesome. No, I am. I'm loving this uh, goosebumps wiki. Cause I'm learning all kinds of fun facts, including on this one. Um, According to uh, a book that was released while signing books in a mall bookstore, a girl walked up to R.L. Stein. Her name was Tara, and she asked R.L. Stein to make her a character in a book. She said she wanted her character to be bad, so R.L. Stein named the character Tara Webster after her. Hmm. Uh, R.L. Stein has cited this as being one of his favorite Goosebumps books. Um. Yeah, I, I think I think that's fantastic. Um. Yeah, you're right. Very much that um, Twilight Zone, strange, you know, careful what you wish for type stuff. Um, nice. Good. Did you read any other uh, Goosebumps mm. or was that? I did. I was actually just reading further on that. Did you did you read about the the connection with um, 
another another character or historical figure that we mentioned on on the show. Yes, in a, in a previous episode, <laughs> uh, Michael and Tara's father mentioned by name in the books. His name is Herman Webster. Uh, the name is reminiscent, though I guess it's unclear if it was intentional, of famous serial killer H. H. Holmes, uh, whose name was Herman Webster Mudgett. Uh, kind of cool maybe maybe coincidence or maybe not uh but we we talked about hh H. holmes in our in our um our, another book related episode we read devil in the white city seems Way like back. the kind of thing rl stein would know yeah. oh i think it was intentional yeah i i without almost without a doubt yeah but very cool yeah Uh, I did read another book. Um, I read one more. Uh, I read. Do you want to do one? Do you want to do one? I feel like. No, we, you we... go ahead. Okay. Um. Did I read one more? I, I thought I did. It, I mean, obviously not very memorable <laughs> if I didn't. Oh, oh, okay. I read Ghost Beach. Ghost oh, sure. Beach, yeah. No, oh, no, no, no. I wanted to read Ghost Beach. I never did. I'm looking back at the uh, the tier list again, just so I can get like a refresher of the oh, ones that ones. I that I read. Uh, I was looking at this. Uh, they have a list on here of uh, never like scrapped books. Hmm. Um including uh, this one. In 1994, a contest was held to create a Goosebumps title. The winner of the contest was Jim, who came up with the title Slime Doesn't Pay. Oh, my God. Uh, though it was never actually used for a book, unfortunately. That does sound like a... I mean, that's that sounds like a Goosebumps book. I'm amazed that they didn't... Uh, amazed they didn't go with it. For a title. Slime Incredible Doesn't Pay. Shrinking Fifth Grader. Never released. Also, sounds like the name of a of a of a book. I can't remember if I, I I definitely I so I read this book, Sean, but I can't remember if it was one of the ones I locked in on a previous right. episode or if I went rogue a little bit. That's okay. Um, was it I'm say like say cheese? It was say cheese and die. Yes, we had talked about that. We did. We talked about it. I can't remember. I have to re-listen re to the episode if I locked it in. I, I remember liking the cover of it, but this is the one I read because I didn't write any of them down. But um, 1992, I'll read the blurb. Every picture tells a story. Greg thinks there is something wrong with the old camera he and his friends found. The photographs keep turning out wrong, very wrong. Like the snapshot Greg took of his father's new car that shows it totaled. And then Greg's father is in a nasty wreck. But Greg's friends don't believe him. Sherry even makes Greg bring the camera to her birthday party and take her picture. Only Sherry's not in the photograph when it develops. Is Sherry about to be taken out of the picture permanently? Who is going to take the next fall for the evil camera? This was okay. This was probably my, my weakest one of the night. Only because I read it. I read it last and it was um it was after i had read the cuckoo clock 
which I thought was just kind of blew me away. Um, it, it's your standard, like, you know, and, and your standard twi Twilight Zone kind of plot where the camera foretells the future or brings misfortune and you're not sure which. And so they take photos of it's, it's, um, another like cursed object kind of story. But I, th I thought that the cuckoo clock one was just, just, there was a lot more weight to it. Like in the end, they could have just not, they could have just decided to not with the camera. They could have been like, let's just stop taking pictures of stuff and maybe bad stuff won't happen, but they don't, they keep like kind of pushing the envelope with it. Um, and then there's this really stupid, I, I, I didn't care for the introduction of like this, this like mad scientist character named Dr. Fritz Fredericks. Nice. Um, who, who is the one that built the cat. It gets really wacky and it, it takes away a lot of the mystery. Like he built this camera as like a way to like, uh, it was going to be like a, like a, a science experiment kind of thing, but his partner got mad at him and put a, a hex on the camera. It gets really, uh, it's really kind of all over the place toward the end. And then it becomes like a mad scientist haunted house kind of story. Cause they, the, 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 the mad scientist captures the kid. It, it really is all over the place. Um, so in the end, they just kind of like at the end, they just decide to kind of not, they're like, let's just hide this camera and never like discover it again. And then the bullies in town discover the camera and, and like start taking pictures of each other with it. And so it's like, kind of like the cycle is going to continue like Jumanji. Yeah. This was a miss for me. It's so funny when you start individually, the books are fine. You start looking at them in aggregate and you remember he wrote like 400 of these. Mm -hmm. Then you start noticing like, and I'm just of my knowledge of goosebumps books. I'm like, find a camera that takes a picture of people and they die. Uh, kids are always finding dangerous things in RL Steinland where it's like, they find a mirror that turns you invisible and they find a cream that turns you into a werewolf and they find a recipe that if you make it, it can, you can fly. They find, and by the way, these are all real ones. I'm not making these up. <laughs> like, like some of these tropes are just like really predictable through all the books. And I can imagine after a while, although interesting enough, stay tuned and die is only the fourth ever goosebumps book. Yeah. It seemed pretty early. Uh, Oh, I just I just encountered in the trivia section of this wiki. The plot of this book is similar to Rod Serling's The Twilight Zone episode, A Most Unusual Camera. R.L. Stein, uh, turns out, was a big fan of the show, and much of his work is directly inspired by it. And it is a little bit like, yeah, The Dead Zone, which I read Stephen King. Although I kind of saw more of that in the Cuckoo Clock episode. Cause it has to do with like time travel and yeah, no, it's, I mean, it totally fits right. As a, it's a, it's twilight zone for kids. And literally, uh, you know, that's, that is pretty accurate. Um, yeah, it's interesting. The, um, one thing I did look up is the television series, which did a say cheese and die episode. Um, is available to stream all four seasons on Netflix. So I may have to check that out. Yeah. Maybe we'll check it out for the, and talk about it on the show. Hey, <laughs> I, I would be down for that. They did like basically almost every book. Mm. 
Um, they did something like 40 out of the 60 in the original series and then a bunch of the other spinoffs. So they, they did all the, I think all the ones we've talked about tonight, they did an episode on deep trouble. I don't No, no, they did. No, I think they did do an episode on everyone we talked about. So could be interesting. Uh, um, the episode say cheese and die features a young Ryan Gosling. As Greg. Whoa! As Greg? Hmm. As Greg. Greg? The one and only Greg. The Greg. <laughs> yeah, the main character of the, of the story. Well, one awesome. of them. He's the one that finds the camera. So he's, yeah. Ryan Gosling. A young, very young Ryan Gosling, I'm sure. How old is Ryan Gosling? As I of... Year of Our Lord 2022, Ryan Gosling is 41. Oh, good for him. Amazing. Young man. Okay. Young man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was born November 12th, 1980. He is exactly six foot, and he's going to be in an upcoming movie about Barbie. He's going to play Ken. That's right. He is with um, uh, Margot Robbie. It's supposed to be yes. quite interesting. Hmm. Quite interesting. So did you uh did you read or did you read a, th- a third book? Or did, have we gone uh, through all of them? I did not get a chance. Okay. Yeah. Uh these were, I will say that these were quick reads. These were oh, very yeah. uh very quick, um, very easy reads. So I was this is probably the quickest and easiest set that I think we've done on up for debate thus far. Oh yeah, for sure. No, I, um, hmm. I, I may go back and, and read more at some point. They're not, uh, they're not too bad at all. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Not it actually, all. it did make me kind of interested in, in, uh, in, in, uh, you know, picking them up every now and then I will say they're not bad. Like I said, for... the, the TV series is supposed to be, reasonably decent okay so, we should check it out um, i think we I'm should check it out to, and they're short so yeah like i said this was my first foray into goosebumps ever never i've never even touched it so and, and would you say it was a worthwhile endeavor yes yes i would yes i would uh these are books that i would definitely encourage more kids to read um and i hope that uh, does he still write does he still write stein is he still writing kids' no, books? I Ghost think... Bumps is kind of done, right? It's been a while. I mean, the man has got to be, you know, enjoying his golden years. So, yeah, he's written other because he did uh, Fear Street mm. after uh, Goosebumps, which were the more, sort of more adult focused novels. And then he did Rotten School. And he did some, he's done graphic now. I mean, he's done a bunch of stuff outside. He, he, is yeah, the man has lived short stories, <laughs> anthologies. I think he was involved in the Goosebumps movies that came out, um, with Jack Black. Um, he's done comic books. So no, no, he, he is definitely still working for sure. Cool. So what do we have coming up on the show? Uh, well, Matt, we, we do have to talk about that. 
So, mm-hmm. if you remember, uh, the month of September, known as Sean Tember, okay? We, we breezed right past that. That was not happening. So then we moved it to Sean Vember. The problem with Sean Vember is this is the first week of November. Uh, I'm here next week. The following week, I'm in Las Vegas for work. So they're uh, for the whole week. So we're not going to do a show. And the following week is big, Thanksgiving. Big screw convention. Big screw town that Las Vegas is. Biggest. big. Actually, I'm going to the pool and spa show. So I'll see if mm-hmm. I can get you a nice hot tub while I'm there. Get to Sweet. Get you a show deal. Uh, Love it. So Sean Vember is kind of already a bust before we even began. So, Matt, I'm very excited to introduce. It's been rolled into 2023. Seanuary will be coming later this year. <laughs> uh, all the way into next year. So I get two months next year. Because I'm going oh, to wow. do Sean Temper again. So I get two months Un- next year. Unprecedented. Unheard of. And that only gives us a week of a, a month. It only gives us a month of recovery before March Madness. So. And usually February is pre and post Super Bowl episodes. Uh, in our yes. prospects, so it eats up there. So, and then and then we do March Madness, and then we almost basically roll into whatever next movie franchise. So we're just the question is, what are we going to do for the next two months? I have no earthly clue. <laughs> Matt, is there anything you would like to talk we'll about? Find something. On we'll find episodes? something. Well, we got to do we got to do a review of. Uh, I mean, we kind of made that plan a review of the of the Goosebumps TV show. So I would say stay tuned for that, maybe. Uh, you had some really November. good. You had some good stuff. You pitched some good stuff involving a play, ideas. yeah. And and Spider Man. Oh, yeah, we we're gonna watch Spider Man turn off the dark, which I, I did order. I'm still I on ordered, on board for. Uh huh. I ordered Spider Man costumes. One of the guys. What? No, I should have though. No, one oh, of yeah. the guys who wrote the musical wrote a book about the experience of making it and all the shit that went wrong, and so I just ordered it. So okay. I'm gonna read that, and maybe they'll give us some context. So that that will come. I want to do, I have a few different other ideas that I'm cooking up because uh, I'm always trying to play with the format a little bit. Um, so more, more to come for sure. We'll, we'll be coming cool. out with all kinds of stuff. The holidays are coming up. Um, it's going to be a treat. Indeed. Uh, but that's going to end it here. Yeah. Wrap it up. Uh, wrap thanks it everybody up. for joining us on our uh, abbreviated shocktober. Um, we appreciate you being here. Uh, if you would like all of our past episodes, of course, you can go to our website anytime up for debate.tv. Check it out there. The full archives are available as well as in any of our podcast apps. Just subscribe to Up for Debate. You can get the latest episodes as well as the past catalog. Of course, you can watch a video on YouTube and follow us at Up for Debate TV on Twitter or email. So, Up for Debate TV at gmail.com. But that's going to wrap it up here. So, on behalf of Matt, I'm Sean. We appreciate you being here as always. And we're going to see you next time for another great episode of Up for Debate. This has been a Coffee and Beer production, executive produced by Matt Mariani and Sean Jennings. To learn more, visit coffeeandbeer.tv.